Welcome to Fresno's Best Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Maddox. Today we have Julie Kanji on the show. Julie is with the Fresno Bike Station. An avid cyclist and mechanic, Julie is an expert on all things bikes, and this was a super fun conversation in many ways for me as someone that used to be a lot more of a cyclist than I am now, but has strong feelings about bikes in our society. I hope you enjoyed this wonderful conversation, and Baker will take us there. Politics, religion, culture, art, music, show some respect to the best little city left in the U.S. Fresno's best. Fresno's best. All right, so Julie, where do you like to eat in Fresno? Um, so I live in the tower. I really like going to um, Sequoia Brewery. They have great service, their food. I feel like they make all the food in house. I love the fact that I can ride my bike there and there's bike parking out front and they even let, have let us like bring our bikes in the actual um, patio and they have good beer. So it's a great place to go in Fresno. I like them too. What why do you go there and not where a lot of people go, which is Tioga Sequoia? Why have you lined up in favor of the other one? I like it. It's more of a restaurant style than a brewery. They have a full bar there. So it's not just beer. They have liquor. And I love the food there. Like, I always get the salad. <laughs> I'm, I try to now, like every time I go out to eat, I have to get a salad. Even if it's like the big salad, I'll get like tri-tip on my salad or some type of fish. And I love the dressing. Like they got a great balsamic. So, and they got a little variety. So, if I have my family come into town, there's something for everybody. They got like different specials each time, something different as an appetizer. Mm. So, being a transplant, how did you perceive the food scene when when you were moving here? And then, how has that perspective changed? Sure, I thought. I was like, wow, they have so many restaurants here in Fresno. A lot of restaurants in Sacramento closed down to see like Marie Callender's again. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, um, they have so many chain restaurants, which I'm a big fan of chain restaurants. Like I love BJ's too. Like they got them in every city. I love a Chili's, you know, a late night snack. Um, but I love like all the Mex- Mexican foods, like the taco stands on Wednesday nights. You can't like... I think one day I was riding my bike and I stopped at like three different taco stands that night. And I thought it was so cool how you can get a burrito and it's open and then you could put all the salsa you want. And I'm huge on salsa. I love everything extra spicy. So I was like drenching it and then you give it back to the person working there and they fold it up for you and they give it to you. And I was like, wow, this is awesome. (laughs) That's Um, amazing. Yeah, it is. I've never seen that done anywhere else. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think the food here in Fresno is great. Well, that's wonderful to hear. We're going to talk about bikes for a long time, which this is my first bike conversation. And I just want it to be known. I didn't own a car until I was 24. I was completely de- bike dependent when I lived in San Francisco and Los Angeles for undergrad and grad school. And it like took practically a crowbar to get me to get a car or, or, or actually I should say a long commute, uh, to get me to get a car. Uh, but for the longest time I spent my days going back and forth on bikes and I have a deep intimate relationship with my bike. 
And I'm so glad that I get to talk to you about this because I really do think, and this sounds like hyperbole, but I really do think bikes can change your life because it slows you down. And we'll talk about why some people need to slow down in Fresno later, but it slows you down personally and just gets you in touch with the things around you. And a lot of people in this town drive through neighborhoods, they drive through districts, they drive through parts of the city, and that car propels them past looking at their environment. And I think that more people need, and I don't regularly use language in this podcast, but people need to get the fuck on a bike. And I don't, I think that is probably the best thing that you could do for yourself mentally. So I want to give you the floor now though, to tell us your bike story. Sure. I, but I love that story that you just told about how it was very hard for you to change from getting, uh, being on a bike and then getting a car. I love that. Um, says a lot about you. So I have always been in a bicycle rider. And then I think in like 2014, when we moved to uh, New Orleans, I got heavy in the social riding. I was doing all the social rides. I was biking throughout that whole city, totally bike-friendly city, and made a lot of friends. I was getting involved in the advocacy side of biking. And when we moved back to Sacramento, I had my bike shipped. I had a nice collection of like four bikes. I had them shipped back and I needed a place to uh, tune them up because when they shipped them, they moved the handlebars. And I didn't even know how to adjust my handlebars to get them properly aligned. And I looked up online. Oh, actually, I knew about this place. It was called Sacramento Bicycle Kitchen. And I was, when I left, they were located in um, a different part of Sacramento. And I had to look them up and I saw that they were in downtown. So I brought my bikes over and I started working on it. And Sacramento Bicycle Kitchen is a nonprofit space where you can bring your bicycle and there's bike stands, there's tools, there's bikes for sale, there's volunteers, and there's parts that you can buy for your bike. I brought my bike there and I told them, hey, I need to tune up this bike. And the whole purpose of them there is for you to do the work yourself. So they showed me what tools I need and I did the work on my bike. I adjusted the headset. I made my chain tighter. I lubed it. And I gave it a nice little tune-up. I felt so accomplished. I showed up the next week with my other bike. And this man, Glenn, who's now pretty uh, my, one of my mentors, asked me, "Would you? Um, why don't you start volunteering here? And I thought, you know what? I, I will. So I showed up. My scheduled time was every Friday from 10 to 2. And I showed up every Friday on that time for a whole year. And within that year, after a year, I actually got a job as a paid bicycle mechanic a year later. So I was with the skills that I learned from Bike Kitchen, I became an, it became my career. And I started working on bikes more in depth and high, higher end bikes. So 
that was pretty much my story about um, how I learned how to work on bicycles. And now when we moved, knowing I was going to be moving to Fresno, I looked up nonprofit bicycle shops, Fresno, because I was like, where's my bike kitchen? I need to get there because I need my my volunteer. I loved doing it. Even though I was a paid bicycle mechanic, I was still showing up that Friday from 10 to 2 to still do my volunteer. And when I looked up nonprofit bicycle shops in Fresno, California, there was not one. And I thought to myself, well, I'm going to start one. So I asked my mentor, I was like, Glenn, what do I do? What should, what should I do? How am I going to do this? this is, I feel overwhelmed. Like I have this idea, but I can't do this. I don't know anybody here in Fresno. He says, why don't you reach out to an, an advocacy group in Fresno, a bicycle advocacy group. They already have ties with the community. They know people, they know what's going on, see if they can help you. So that's exactly what I did. I Googled nonprofit advocacy group. And the first group that popped up was Fresno County Bicycle Coalition. I sent them an email. Tony, who's the president of FCBC, said, hey, Tony, I want to start this nonprofit bicycle thing. Are you guys interested? And he responded right away. And he goes, why don't you join our meeting this coming Thursday? We always wanted to start something like this just never did and I said okay and so I showed up on the zoom meeting and we started talking and I introduced myself and they introduced me to this man named Chris Ecock from Tower Velo who's a local business owner amazing bicycle shop he's the sweetest man you're ever going to meet um, and he was so interested in doing this because he was actually that's how he started he started with working at a park, bringing his tools and helping the homeless fix their bikes. So he's very passionate about this project too. So with him and Fresno County Bicycle Coalition, we came up with this idea of bicycle station. Hmm. That's where we're at right now. You know, it's so interesting. And I, I often think about this, like what, you know, cause we all see pr problems in our community and like what, for those of us crazy enough to just kind of step out like that. So what, what do you think pushed you to step out that way? Cause I mean, we can all see that there's issues, right. But like, there's something that separates people that just kind of observe it, maybe jaded, a little cynical, and then just, you know, move on to the next thing that you bitch about or whatever. Uh, but you saw an issue and you just immediately like the logical solutions here is that I start a bike nonprofit. So how did you, how did, what, what didn't, what didn't you got you there? It's probably just my passion and love for the bike, really. And I was like, because I love, like, even though I'm working, you know, who wants to work for a living? I love doing, I love working on bikes. I love learning. And I love that space that I'm around trying to figure things out. Before I was a mechanic, I didn't even, I just used a, a screwdriver. I didn't use any tools. I was not mechanically inclined, but it's really just, the passion that I have for a bicycle and like my own selfish reasons is because I want to have a place I can go to to buy parts and fix up bikes that I love to do and make monster cool different bikes and road bikes and all different types of a tall bike one day I have dreams of doing like a double decker bike or making a, a like those cool bikes that you see at Burning Man and 
I have a lot of ideas like functify your bike with glitter and paint. So um, it's, you know, a space like that where in Fresno that I, I can go to because I want, I want to hang out something like that. Well, and there's a couple books that are coming to my mind right now that kind of are what I think you're tapping into. One that I read in college, which was Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, which one was a big one. And like, just like being in touch with something that's hands-on and just like the 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 calm, relaxed, mindful feeling when you're working on something and repairing something and it has your full focus. And the other one that I read recently is a book by this guy, Matthew Crawford. It's called Shopcraft, a Soulcraft. And it's all about like how these screens that we're on all the time are detaching us from the real world and that doing something and fixing something and understanding how something works is the way to get your soul back. So I, I feel like you're kind of tapping into those things that have been on my brain recently, but let's, let's kind of pivot to socioeconomics. Why, why, why do we need a nonprofit versus just, you know, why can't they just go to your local bike shop and then pay to get it fixed? So I think uh, accessibility is one reason why we need to have a, a nonprofit bicycle shop here in Fresno, something that's open the ability that so everybody can come of any background, poor, rich, doesn't matter, a place where people want to learn. A lot of times these bikes that people bring in, the maintenance costs, just the labor alone is not worth what a new bike would cost to fix it. So it's a lot easier for a bike shop to sell a brand new shiny bike. That's probably way better than your bike. But so they'll try to sell you that instead of getting that bike repaired in the bottom bracket, like they need to all overhaul. So those bikes end up in a landfill. Then they, if that bike was donated to a nonprofit like Bicycle Kitchen or a, a, a like bike station that, that we're trying to start here, that we have started here, we'd fix up the bikes, we tune them up, and then we either don't, they donate it or they sell it to keep that profit going to maintain the overhead. That's why a lot of these bikes just sit in people's garages because they just have a flat tire. Yeah. And it's so wonderful to take just a rusty piece of shit and make it go. You know what I mean? Like just to have that experience. And um, my partner does that with lamps. She'll find a lamp at a thrift store and she'll do all this crazy. I, I, I don't even want to try to articulate what she's doing, but taking it from something that's got like weird farm animals dancing across the rim to like a piece that you would sell in like some kind of bougie shop in West Hollywood or something. And just watching her do that and take something from something that's discarded to something that's totally usable and valued. I think there's a beautiful thing in that. And I like what you're saying. Cause I, I've also been at, you know, nonprofit bike shops in San Francisco and in Southern California and in Bakersfield as well. And it's really neat because it isn't just, you know, I mean, I think there's this perception it's just low income people fixing their bikes. It's not the case. I mean, you get such a wide range. So can you talk about the demographics that come? Sure. Yeah. There's that people that show up to nonprofit uh, bicycle uh, shops, they're mountain bike riders, they're road bike riders, they're commuters, they're college students, they're parents trying to get their kid a, a new free bike. Usually these nonprofit kitchens always give out free kids bikes. Like that's a standard, it seems like. Even though their demographic's all different, somebody's riding a mountain bike and the other person's the road warrior, we all have one thing in common, which is the bike. Mm. And 
you can get like the a big bike snob, but an old school bike snob, snob versus like new technology, right? And they're talking and this guy's talking about, or gal's talking, or them, they, they're talking about the a little grip that came out in 1964 by Schwinn. And it gets so narrowed down and they're talking about, oh, I remember I had that type of stingray growing up. It's all different backgrounds that show up. And that one common interest is the love for the bike. Mm, that's wonderful. Uh, we're going to pivot to my favorite section, which is called overrated versus underrated. I'm going to throw a bunch of ideas, concepts, things to you. You just tell me whether you think they're over or underrated and why. Uh, first one, critical mass. Is that over or underrated? <sighs> Nowadays, overrated. Okay, why? Because I think it was so necessary in the beginning of like this whole social ride, getting people in big groups. Now there's so many group rides that critical mass is kind of like taking a back seat because every time we're out there biking, it is critical mass. Mm, yeah, so you feel like it served its purpose and that it's kind of just a sentimental thing now for people. Like they remember the old days. I remember in the mid two thousands when I was doing mm -hmm. critical mass in San Francisco and we would, you know, we would be trying to stop traffic and people would be getting out of their cars with crowbars and baseball bats. And, you know, it was just like this kind of like underground, like really cool. And, hip. and now I go, it's like, Oh, this is nice. <laughs> you know, and it's, it's fine. You know, I mean, it serves its role, but I think you're right. I think you're onto something there. Yeah. It's, we still stop traffic though. When we ride bikes, they're still, they're still yelling at us. Yeah. You know, yeah. other events that show that like the uh, bikes day of silence ride. Mm -hmm. That's a great ride. And so is the world naked bike ride, which people think, oh, they're just voyeurs or they're just, you know, we want to be naked. But no, the point is like, hey, we're just naked under our clothes. Mm. They're like, oh, look how vulnerable they are. They're naked. Yeah, we're vulnerable on a bicycle. Right. Mm. So that's like the point. So I think there's other rides that have taken its place now. Wonderful. All right. Next one. Fixies over or underrated underrated i love a good fixie you don't get scared i get scared <laughs> i have i have a front brake i'm not that cool i wish i was cool uh enough to ride without brakes uh no i think they're cool i love i love building fixies too they're can easy can you explain what a fixie is for people that don't know sure it's a um bike that you can't pedal backwards if you do pedal backwards the whole wheel moves you can pe pedal forwards or backwards so can do uh, more tricks with it. They're really light bikes, really sleek, slicker tires. They usually, uh, the people who ride them, the real fixie riders, they have uh, no brakes, which I always say you have to have brakes, but you know, it's a style thing. I mean, yeah, watching people in cities with hills ride with fixies with no brakes. I mean, it's like, it's kind of a daredevil thing. It's kind of like a, like I have so much control that I don't need it. And I was never that I would do it flat ground, but never, never where there was an incline or a decline for sure. All right. Next one. This one I ask everybody, uh, me and Ed's pizza. I like it. It's, 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 um, underrated. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I don't know. I was a round table or a, a lamppost gal in Sacramento, but I think it's good pizza here in Fresno. Oh, good. Well, yeah, we've had a lot of different perspectives on that particular question. And uh, 
Yeah, I'm kind of right in the middle. All right, next. Pelotons, over underrated. Sorry, I overrated. I hate cycling inside. I just can't do it. Okay. All right. Make the argument yeah. against Peloton. Go. I just, I think, I mean, it's great just getting the exercise. Please do it. I just need, I, I have to be looking around. I have a hard time just sitting on a treadmill or any type of an elliptical personally, mm-hmm. but I would rather much get my exercise, my bicycle fitness outside mm-hmm. versus indoors, just because I just can't concentrate on sitting on a bike and watching people bike in the videos. Yeah, it is a little challenging. Uh, I have one for the record. And some days I can concentrate with it and some days I can't. I, I hate like treadmills. That's I have a hard time with treadmills running indoors. I have to run outdoors. But for whatever reason, I can I can get by on one of those things. Uh, next one, uh, beach cruisers. I love them. I, that's the life I live. I Underrated. I live the cruisy life. Okay, you got to sell me because I don't like them. So why should I like them? I love them because you can put a basket, right? You can, you can still get to wherever you want to go. Um, you're just going to, it's going to take you a while. They're comfortable, right? It's like sitting in a lazy boy. It's like sitting in your grandparents couch. You know, mm. it's, it's cozy. You're sitting upright and it fits everybody. Like if you have like that uh, cruiser, a beater cruiser and your friend comes over, it's probably the last bike to get stolen too. Mm, that's a good point. I hadn't thought of that. You could probably just not even bring your U-lock with you and yeah. just leave it out. Just the cable or right? a cable locker, which is the horrible <laughs> lock to use, right? But yeah, I, I love a cruiser. Yeah. I I don't know if it's an aesthetic thing for me, but you're very good at this. I could listen to you describe the value of different kinds of bikes. All right. Next one. Uh, the CN Tower in Toronto, over underrated. So I did live in Toronto. It's a beautiful tower. I never got to make it inside, which was on my bucket list. It was during COVID. They had it shut. It was shut down. But I would say probably underrated. People yeah, don't know. So what was it like to be a short-term Canadian? It was it was nice. I mean, the the bike culture is amazing. They have bells on every bike. They use turn signals with their hands, like this left, right, stop which was awesome. They obey the law. When the light turns red, they, everybody stops. Like if I were, I stopped with them because, you know, <clears throat> us Californians would probably like slow down a little bit, look, and then we go, right. We're mm-hmm. trying to get a law now that uh, uh, bikes don't have to stop completely, but there, no, they stop fully. They wait for the light to turn green and they proceed. And each, even the bike lane is like kind of protected with like a little concrete, barrier and there's a great bicycle shop up there that i volunteered at for a whole year called bike pirates uh awesome place Mm. refurbished bikes and everything next one and i i'm kind of on the fence about these i'm curious uh those like really hard saddle seats Mm -hmm. do you think they're over underrated uh probably overrated but you the thing is you need a hard seat when you're riding a a road bike. Why? Will it, your butt will start to mold to it. Mm. Have to like ride it, and then you'll feel better later. So it's like Birkenstocks or something. Like you just right. kind of forms to you. Yeah. I always thought they were just like kind of trendy. Like you know, oh, I've got this saddle seat, and it you know, it's it's better than your basic bike seat. <laughs> and I I never really understood. And then when I sat on, I was like. 
this is really hard. Um, right. But maybe I just didn't give it enough time. I know. Was, I think that too, and it could be style. I mean, I kind of think like, like high heels, like, gosh, they're, they're such a nice thing when, uh, when you're wearing a dress, right? It mm -hmm. looks great. It makes the outfit, right? You don't want a big old clunker, co cozy seat on a nice bike, right? So you mm -hmm. got to have that sleek look, you know, it might be uncomfortable, you know, but it looks good. Okay. Two more carbon fiber frames. Amazing. Underrated. Underrated. Because I asked that because you have to spend a lot more to get them. Mm -hmm. um, and so the question is, is it worth it for uh, someone that regularly rides? I think so, because because we're always lifting our bikes, right? To get them upstairs, to get them somewhere, put them on, on and off your car. Those still heavy frames. Uh, yeah, it's when you have a lighter bike, it's just such... Like, oh man, this bike is so light. This is nice. Yeah. It is. I, and I have like, my bike is aluminum frame with carbon fiber forks, which is helpful, mm -hmm. uh, but not as light. When you pick up one of those like fully carbon fiber bikes, you're like, what is this? Yep. It's, I, I mean, I, I don't know how many pounds they are, but it's just so small and you're, I don't know. But I, but the, but for a lot of people like that threshold to get to that range is, it's just tough. And so- mm. You know, I think that's something maybe if you ride a lot, it's worth it. But if you don't, I don't know, right. I'm on the fence. All right. Last one. Uh, electric scooters. Um, like I love, yeah, I think I love I love the fact like at cities that you can they're underrated. I'm, uh, so you don't you don't get annoyed when they're in the bike lane? Nope. 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 You're just like, it's just another thing. Just another thing. I'm happy. Forum. I want people to come ride the scooters. I want to ride the scooters. I want. I love it when the cities have them. I can rent the scooters. I can go to a coffee shop, go to shopping. I love it. Okay. Oh crap! One one last one. E bikes over underrated. Underrated. Why? 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 I mean, it's less exercise, right? No, it's not. I, it. Um. There was a study done in Europe about. Um, about e-bikes and they found that people were riding more they were going out consecutively they were going coming biking to work they would show up not sweaty they were burning more calories because they were riding further you're literally just putting the fun back into biking too mm. so and you get you get it more in the aggregate mm -hmm. if, if that makes sense yeah 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 sure. okay all right well Let's pivot now and talk about bike repair skills. Uh, how regularly should we tune up our bikes? Well, uh, at least once a year, you should uh, go through your bike and see what it needs. A cable stretch, brakes, sometimes need adjusting. If you're, if it's been in the garage, your tires are going to be low. Every time you ride, you should always check your the pressure of your tires. Make what sure do you that set yours at? I always, like, if for my cruiser, I go to what the max is. It's usually 40. But if it's like my road bike and it's like, um, like say 60 to 90, I'll do like 75, 80. I won't go exactly 90. But um, it just, I, I think it's more about like comfort with the, what your comfort level is. Like if you like a more harder ride or a more squishier ride. Yeah. So I, I, for a long time, went really high on my PSI. Um, but then I tried a little lower and I felt like I maybe like it was a little smoother, but then I'd have to, 
pair up more often. And so I just, I was trying to figure out like the trade-off there. And I get what you're saying about the bumpy ride when you get the tires like jacked up to the max, it's just like, you feel every pebble and everything. So um, I think you're right about right in the middle. Now, what tools should people have if they want to just do kind of like basic maintenance at home? So some Allen wrenches, what what other things might they need? Sure. I love a tri-tool. That's <clears throat> three Allen wrenches on one tool. Anything that has like a couple tools, you know, the little um, butterfly tools, you should always have some tools on you when you go biking, just in case you get a flat tire. Even if you don't know how to fix a flat there might be somebody around you that could help you, right? That way you can get back home. But yeah, like uh, that tri-tool, a pedal wrench. Um, there's a pedal wrench that I, I've got at Walmart where it's like a 15, a 14, and a 16. Like I like those three like tools that have three things in one. So that and always have like a spare tire and a pump or at least a patch kit with you. What's the most scary thing for a person to try and do themselves? For me, it was always spoke issues. Are there things that you feel like if you're starting out, you should maybe get some help with before you try and do it on your own? Only one thing comes to mind. I think you can do anything you want, but a brake bleed. What's that? It's with hydraulic brakes. There's a fluid and there's certain type of fluid that you need to uh, put in if you have a Shimano or SRAM. So you, and then you have to have the proper setup and you should have a bike stand and you have to kind of angle the bike and it's a whole procedure. So that that's the one thing I would say, like take that to a bike shop uh, if you need a brake bleed, but everything else, that's the whole point of bike station, like is to teach, like if you can just have a minimal set of skills and you can become a mechanic just by a little bit of guidance. Okay. How do you know when you need a new chain? There's a chain measure that, every uh, bike store should have. We have one at bike station and we can measure the chain. And if it's stretched, it's time for a new chain. It will, your, your shifting will be better when you have a new chain. So what, what can happen if you don't change your chain? Uh, slipping in and out of gears, the chain will sag. You're not going to have the best ride because the chain is longer. And when you're pedaling, it's just a lot of slack. The chain will probably fall off even at the front in your front, um, front derailleur or back derailleur you know what pisses me off most in terms of my own bike maintenance is changing the stupid tape <laughs> i feel like i gotta change the tape all the time and i just it's never as cute as when they do it in the bike shop they always right. do it so nice and cleanly and i can for whatever reason just can't do it uh what what's one thing that you annoy in terms of maintenance on your bike or annoys you excuse me I guess sometimes like the bottom bracket where it's i can't just like i have to take out everything to tighten it down or just pull it all out, you know, uh, but it's fun doing a bottom back bracket removal, but then you have to measure the new one, make sure it's the right size. And, and then sometimes like if a bike is like totally stripped down and you have to clean out the, the uh, threading. So that can be cumbersome, but oh, also like when the seat post is seized, so many bike shops, when they sell a bike, they don't put the grease in the, post or people leave their bikes outside for years and the seat post is stuck in there and you cannot get the seat post out and you could put a bunch of oil and blast and you leave it overnight and you still can't get it out and the bike is done if you have like a high seat post you can't do anything about that so you got to throw the whole bike you got to you know take off all the parts we'll reuse the parts of course but that frame is done that's wild i i 
I'd I'd heard of that, but I didn't know that it was because they didn't grease it in the shop. Is that a common thing you see? Well, I, I'm just guessing, but I'm talking about like old bikes that have been outside for a mm. while, maybe like definitely like department store bikes, Walmart and Target, they won't grease it down. They yeah, barely even have to put the bike together and it, they're never safe. Like if you buy one of those bikes, you really should look, have somebody bring it to bike station. We'll look it over and help you assess it and get it geared right. And if you're listening and this all sounds very intimidating, that's literally why bike station exists because you're going to go there and you're going to learn. And when you see someone do it and then they watch you do it, you're going to feel confident and then you're going to walk out. And next time something's wrong, you're going to feel a little bit more confident to do it yourself. And so, you know, we're just talking generally about our bike lives, but you need to have that experience yourself. And I think that's the first step. All right. Two more topics before we close up. And this is, this is a fun one. So let's imagine for a moment, you are the bike czar of Fresno and like a genie, you get three authoritarian wishes to change the city, to make it more bike friendly. What would you do? One would have a um, brick and mortar shop, like a bicycle kitchen in Fresno, where people can come work on their bikes and uh, buy, buy replacement parts for their bicycles, all used stuff that's, that's cheap, pennies on the dollar. That would be my first wish. Second wish would be more protected bike lanes here in Fresno, possibly some more bike groups in the city. Not just the couple that I know, but like actual more social rides. And on that note, what do you think about, because it seems like, and this has always been my impression, that there's like two main bike cultures. There's the bike culture that we've been talking about. And then there's the dentists on bikes in spandex who sure. are getting exercise. How do you view the kind of division between those two groups? You know, I think... I feel like they all embrace each other. You know, I think any uh, bikes are like golf clubs. You need a certain bike to do the job. I, I feel like they, we all coexist together and we're not the enemy. It's, it's the cars that treat us bad that are the enemy. I think if we get more people on bikes, uh, the people that are driving, they're like, oh, that could be my aunt out there. That could be my kid that's riding. I know my kid rides in that group and they're going to see another cyclist and they're going to, they're going to be more aware that we're just naked under our clothes. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's one of those things like to make it more safe, you actually have to ride so that the visibility is there so that in the future people will slow down. I mean, I remember the first time that I got hit, I was in Pasadena and I was going down a hill and there was parked cars on my right hand side. And on my left hand side, there was static traffic and a guy tried to go really fast between the static traffic and the parked cars into a driveway. And I T-boned him and my leg got caught between the wheel well and pulled the skin off my shin and woke up in the ER and, you know, fortunately lived and everything else. When you're in a car, it's hard. sometimes you forget that you're driving something that can kill people very quickly. And that just a one moment where you're looking at your phone or whatever uh, could be someone's life. And I think you're right. I think the presence of more cyclists can reduce that, but it also just comes down to people being more cognizant of their surroundings and 
being aware that bikes have the same rights that you do to be on the road at the exact same. And there's no bike lane. Guess what? They get the whole lane. They get the whole lane. And when I was riding in places where there was no bike lane, I would go pretty close to that white line, that white dotted line, because people will just get too close for comfort. And I think we all have a responsibility and no one's immune from that responsibility. We all have a responsibility to take care of each other. You know, we're all, we're all one people trying to get through this life or whatever. And some of us uh, are on bikes going to work and some of us are in cars going to work and we just need to respect our spaces. So that's my little bike sermon because, you know, uh, it almost cost me my life. And so it's a serious, it's a serious topic. I agree with you. All right. Let's close with book recommendations. Uh, these don't have to be bike related, but just books that you enjoy. Uh, what are a couple books you'd recommend to the audience? Um, sometimes my wife and I, we, we read a book together. We share a book and we read it out loud to each other before bed. And the one we just finished, which was a tearjerker where the crawfish sing. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's a good one. I know they had a Netflix movie, which is great. I love like a book that's been a movie already. And I, and I see the movie. I'm like, okay, it's going to be a good book. Right. So it's a guarantee hit. You know, I don't, I, who likes to read a book and get through the chapter and they're like, ah, this is awful. Right. Mm. I want, I want a sure bet. So that was, that's, that was a really cute one. That's wonderful. Well, so where can people find you? Where's, uh, where give us, give us addresses, uh, hours, all the things that we need to know. Sure. Um, so you can find us on uh, Facebook and Instagram. Um, you can go to um, FresnoBike.org and there is a link there um, to see like our, uh, our events on Facebook. It's the Fresno Bike Station. On Instagram, it's the Fresno Bike Station. We do um, a pop-up once a month outside of Tower Velo. We do change the dates. It's usually on Saturday, uh, but you can find our events on those social medias. And uh, we just started doing Art Hop the first Thursday of the month over by South of Shaw. There's a little uh, pop-up area where they have a bunch of vendors and um, we're out there and we're also doing some, some painting along with it. Um, my friend uh, who helps me with the bike station, her company Lo Learn Love and Lessons Learned, uh, she drew a bicycle and we're doing interactive art. Just so cool. And like everybody's drawing on the bicycle. But our main clinics is that Saturday when we're outside of Tower Velo working on bikes. That's the one. If you have some real issues, please come to that. And then if you're at the Art Hop, bring your bike. We'll check it out. Maybe do a little minor adjustments. Check on the brakes, pump up the tires and get you back rolling. Awesome. Well, thanks for talking to me, Julie. I love this conversation. I love that I got to talk about bikes for almost an hour with you. Thank you. And, you know, we've been doing this for a year now, and maybe next year I can pop back in and I can let you know all the new stuff we're doing. That's awesome. Fresno's back. Thanks for listening, folks. As always, you can support this podcast by leaving us a rating and review or by making a financial contribution at our Patreon page, which is www.patreon.com slash Fresno's Best. We'll see you next time.